You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 269. Today's case study of the week reveals 12 months of lessons from their first year of hiring. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What, 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 what is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much. You're tuning in here to another segment appropriately titled the case study segment here on the Mind Your Business podcast where I like to highlight extraordinary entrepreneurs like you who are up to extraordinary things in their business. Today is no exception. My special guest is none other than Nicole Begley, which I love Nicole. She is amazing. She's a rock star. And she's also in such an epically awesome, unique niche. I love, you know I love these unique niches, which she isn't just a pet photographer, which is unique in and of itself, takes pictures of pets, but she actually teaches and coaches other pet photographers how to do pet photography and how to build a business around it. And she has had unbelievable growth. She's on track for operating at a million dollars in revenue this year. And you're going to hear her story her journey in today's episode. And we're dialing in more specifically around her and the celebration of her one-year anniversary of her first employee and how her business has just catapulted in the past year and how much letting go of the small, busy, non-revenue producing activities has helped force her to step into the digital CEO role so she can grow faster so awesome. And so why this is such an important episode is because, you know, you're probably sick of me talking about hiring nonstop and how critically important it is. Great businesses are built by great teams. Yeah, I heard that, James, but I'm not ready to hire yet. I'm not there yet. Have you ever considered that the reason that you're not there yet is because you haven't been hiring, that trying to do it all yourself is the very thing that's preventing you from growing? (gasps) What? Gasp. And that anyone, no matter where you're at, can get started today. Even if it's getting five hours a week back at $5 an hour. That's 25 bucks a week. I'm going to be a jerky jerk face here that if you can't afford $25 a week, you should not start a business. Stop fooling yourself. You can't. If you can't afford $25 a week, you should not be in business right now. Period. Because here's the fact of the matter. And I love you so much. But if you're choosing to do something in your business that someone else can do for $5 an hour, yes, you can get virtual overseas assistance for like 2 to $3. So pay them more, give them five bucks. If you're doing it for $5 an hour, what you're really saying is, hi, James, I don't value my time. That's what you're actually saying. Is that true? That your time isn't valuable? Of course it's not true. But that's what you're communicating through those actions. That's what you demonstrate. And the sad truth is, is if you don't value your time, how do you expect your customers to value your time? How do you expect your customers to value you? If you're doing $5 hour activities 
and then you're going around and trying to sell like $1,000, $10,000 coaching packages. The math just don't add up, folks. It just don't add up. Would you be listening to me if I was doing my own customer support? If I was doing my own little like PDF formatting? Probably not. I wouldn't have time to do this episode. I wouldn't have time to chat with you like I am right now. So this is so important. And because you're sick of me saying it, and I hear the responses, it's easy for you, James. It's different for you, you know? James, for some reason, is different. I'm not. I'm just sharing the advice that I started taking a long time ago. So I figured I might as well bring you other people that are listening to the advice and see what it's doing to their businesses. And again, the number one thing I hear from everyone who hires Again, I'm not talking, and Nicole talks about this, it's not about hiring a full-time 100K salary person. No, you probably aren't ready for that. You could be, but you probably aren't. But everyone's ready for their first person. It's just how many hours do you want to give them? Part-time, five hours a week, anyone can do that. But everyone says this, including Nicole, is, wow, <laughs> I should have done this sooner. Should have done this sooner. So this is a fantastic episode. Nicole's amazing. Let me get into her bio right now. So, okay, little fun fact. Nicole shares this on the episode. She was a zoological animal trainer, which is a pretty badass title right there. And then she became a pet photographer. And now she's founder of The Hair of the Dog. It's an online community in which she empowers pet photographers all around the world to turn their dreams of taking pictures of pets and turn those dreams into a reality by helping them create successful, profitable businesses. She's also author of the book Pet and Equine. Did I say that right, Nicole? <laughs> Photography for everyone, which is available on Amazon. She is an amazing photographer. She's an amazing coach and an amazing business owner. And I'm so excited to have her come on and share here on today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with today's very special guest, Nicole. Nicole Begley, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really excited to dive into your story. I know you have a fantastic niche. So let's just start there really quickly. You want to take a moment and just share what it is that you do, who you help and how you help them. Absolutely. I am a zoological animal trainer turned pet photographer. Come on. So. <laughs> Wait, I didn't even know the first part. No. <laughs> You're a zoological animal trainer. Yep. Yep. Turned pet photographer. So I spent the first 13 years out of college working with free flight birds and seals and penguins and aardvarks and anything you can I am just learning this about you. <laughs> I didn't know that. And then you went to work one day and started taking pictures. Well, <laughs> I've always enjoyed taking pictures of the animals that I worked with. I had no idea what I was doing. I would have like my camera on like P for professional, which is the total automatic mode. <laughs> and I just like, I like to take pictures. I had no clue what I was doing. But I got to the point where I was assistant director of animal programs at the facility I worked in. So I was kind of middle management and I love the animals and I loved my team, but middle management gets kind of tough. <laughs> and then I was pregnant with my second child and you know, you don't make a lot of money. It's a labor of love in the zoo world. Mm. So it was like, all right, I'm gonna have to start paying for two kids in childcare, yeah. which is like almost all of the money that I make, this does not compute. And I had always had like this entrepreneurial bone where I'm like, I want to do something, but I just, I don't know what. And so then I thought, well, I could do dog training. But then I realized I know my limits because I realized that I didn't have the patience to deal with the people when I would show up the next week yeah. and I'd be like, have you worked on this? Right. And they'd say, no, why is my dog still doing this? Yeah. I have the patience for the dogs, just not the yeah, humans. Absolutely. <laughs> like if I could just take the dogs and train them 100%, uh -huh. but I didn't have patience for the people that I knew would be making excuses yeah. 
or why their dogs are behaved the way they are. Yeah. So anyway, so then I was like, well, I could do photography. I would love to do pet photography. That can't be a thing. So I started my business, oh gosh, 10 years ago. Wow. Um, I left my full-time job eight and a half years ago. And I started out doing like family photography and some pets because because it was fun, but I didn't think there's any way that could be like my full-time focus. But then, yeah, I turned that business into pets only, so pets and horses. And you were just like going to people and Uh I'm gonna take a picture of your pet or with your pet. Yep, yeah, so it was private commissions and would create wall art and albums and you know, all that good stuff of artwork of them and their pets. So like, Um, is this like someone who has like a massive photo of their dog sitting on a throne like over their (laughs) fireplace? (laughs) No thrones, no thrones, but... Because that's kind of what I imagine in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Some people do. A lot of it's sometimes more artistic. Like one of my clients did a like a 40 by 40 framed image of their horse for their dining room, but it was like low key. So it was dark background and a black horse and just had kind of like the room lighting on the, the outline. Space. Beautiful. So we do big artwork of stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you were doing this, you were coming to people's houses and dealing with the pets. It's, it's, by the way, it's a great example of niching down as a photographer. I know there's a lot Absolutely. of, a lot of photographers that listen to the podcast and, you know, niching is, is so important so that you're not just like a generalist, a general Absolutely. photographer. So you chose a specialty, but today that's not exactly what you do. You've you've moved to the online world. So why don't (laughs) you, how did that come about? Well, I always loved, even back in the zoo world, I loved helping other trainers work with their animals. So I've always loved teaching. Mm. And then I have always loved the business aspect. I consider myself almost stronger on the business side than like a lot of people get into photography because they're super creative and they love the artistic side. And I enjoy that, but I really love the business side too. Mm -hmm. So I started helping other people and teaching other people basically how to run a profitable business because I just, I couldn't get enough of the numbers and the pricing and the sales and all that stuff, which they wanted to bury their heads in the sand. So I started doing that actually as in-person teaching. I um, started my hair of the dog blog back in 2012. And really I started that as a way to make myself a little bit more of an authority to teach in-person workshops. Um, so it wasn't even intentional. It was kind of accidental. No, not yeah. at all. And my, one of my biggest assets is my Facebook group that has over 10,000 pet photographers in it now. Wow. It was completely unintentional. It was right when Facebook pages like stopped getting any reach. Mm. And I was like, what's this group thing? <laughs> and I didn't even, wasn't even selling anything online at that point yet. I was still just doing in-person workshops and I just created this group and it kind of took off. Yeah, was your so- page big at the time? Well, yes and no. I mean, yeah, it was people kind of knew they visited my blog. I had some numbers, but Mm -hmm. it really exploded after that Facebook group. Yeah. And then now basically my main focus, I still have my photography business, a little arm of that. So I still keep my, uh, my toes in that water, but I mainly focus on helping other pet photographers run a profitable business. Yeah. What a fantastic niche within a niche. Yeah. It's like first here's niching down to be, I'm going to be a photographer focusing on people who want photos of or with their pets. And now going online, it's I'm going to show other people how to niche down into being a pet photographer and show them how to start, run and grow their business. Yeah. Unbelievable. Take me to like the first time you realized, oh, people like this is a business now. Like, oh, 
people are paying for this? Like, was it your first launch? Did you, did you start with a course or what did you do like first to give you evidence that this was a thing? I had some, actually, it's pretty funny. I had some in-person workshops I was doing and I was like, four other pet photographers. Yep. uh Uh-huh. Pet photographers. Mm -hmm. And they were going great. But then I had my blog and I'm like, this was, oh gosh, this was so long ago. I can't even think it was probably like 2013. So infancy in the online space. And I was like, I see people selling things off of blogs. So I created a $25 like Excel spreadsheet to help people figure out like profitable pricing, to like figure out their numbers. And I put that up. I had no idea what I was doing. I made hardly any money in it, but I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. I helped some people, man, whatever. And then I kind of created this process around creating mini sessions so they are like charitable mini sessions. So I'd partner with the rescue and people would come to my home, my studio. I do like 15 minute little sessions. We'd raise money for the charity. And then I'd also make some money in my business. And it was really great exposure too. Cause you'd get some press and get your information out all over town. So I created a little ebook on that and that did much better. <laughs> I think, I think I originally made when I first launched that maybe like $7,000. And I was like, holy cow. From a little ebook. First- yeah, I think yeah. I sold it for like 197. It's like, wow, this is amazing. And then I started thinking, because when I would do my in-person workshops, the focus of it was still business. Like the main meat of the content was all the business stuff, the pricing, the marketing, the website, like all the business pieces of your pet photography business. And I was like, that part's scalable. The actual like teaching one-on-one, like how to actually photograph a dog is not as scalable, but I'm like, I want to help get more people into this this information. Why don't I create a business course mm. for pet photographers? Mm-hmm. So that was really, I think, when this first, this main shift started to happen. And I initially launched that course in December of 2016. So what I'm which, also hearing is this is like four years. 2012 is when you started the blog. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, and I think this is just great to point out because people today just it's, we're in this like instant fast now I need it now I want a million right, dollar right. business now and like here's this four year evolution of you were doing your thing and it was evolving and giving you clarity as you went and then boom by 2016 you start to yep. get to what you're doing today absolutely yeah it started as just a way to build some authority and make connections in the wow. business yeah I had all those years of starting to build an audience. So when I launched my business course Mm -hmm. in December, 2016, I think I had an email list of 1300 people at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it was, I launched it for 497 and I had like 52 people join me. So it was like $27,000 launch somewhere around there. Yeah. And I remember then too, just like, holy cow. I remember telling my husband, I'm like, that's it. We can go to the Galapagos one day. Cause look at this, like this right here just paid for like a really nice trip. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And it just, you know, it's continued to grow from that. And it blows my mind that that was only two and a half years ago. Oh, crazy. And it, it's, it's like in one sense, it seems like it was no time ago. And then it's like ages ago. Yeah. yeah right. It's very bizarre right. how it's, it's like time is just warped and distorted in internet business time. I mean, it, <laughs> it's like dog years really. Cause yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. It's like, that was two years ago. It seems so long ago, but it was two right. years ago. I've had that same experience over and over again. It's like, we look yeah. at where we were two years ago too. And we're like, what? That was, that seems so long ago. So the business has grown considerably since then. I mean, you're crushing yes. it. You're on fire. I love this. And one of the things that I wanted to focus on specifically in this case study with you is 
you're just celebrating now your one year anniversary with your first hire. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> awesome. So I'm I mean, wondering all the little hearts, like you know, all I, the emoji hearts popping up. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so it's that's so exciting. This is something I'm always like obviously really passionate about, and it almost seems like angry passion because I right. just think it's so important, you know, because we can't do this alone. So I'd love if you can kind of walk us through that. Like, I think the first thing is take us back a year ago, which would yeah. be sometime in 2018. Where were you at in your business? What was it that was causing you to say, I think I need to hire someone? I was working way too much, like Mm -hmm. all the time. Like kids would come to my office like, well, mom, are you gonna be done one day? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One day, one day, maybe. And I was just doing so much. And then I, I sat down kind of one day and I was like, God, I'm working so hard every day, but what the heck did I accomplish today? Wow. I felt like it was just so much minutia and stuff that didn't matter. Yep. And I was just so busy just taking care of all these little pieces. And you know, and I realized that I just I just can't keep continuing. Not even I can't grow. I just can't keep maintaining this yes. because it's not worth it. By the way, yeah. listeners, does that sound like you right now? Because uh, if it does, you should pay very close attention to what Nicole's about to share with you. Okay, great. So keep keep going on that same that same thought. Yeah. So you know, I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, oh gosh, what am I doing? You know, you start to get the job envy of the people that have a job. Like my husband works. Oh nine, my gosh. You know, not nine to five, but when he's done, he's done. He's I'm done. Like, How can you just sit on the couch? It's a physical <laughs> and mental like checkout after that. Like, yeah. wow, what's that like to like uh-huh. not worry about it? after five o'clock and you're in your house and my office is right here in my house and it's like you cannot get away because it's right there right there and the hard part was too i liked my job so it wasn't like someone was forcing me to like shovel coal for 60 80 hours a week i enjoyed what i did but it had taken over my life right so i knew i had just find somebody or do something but i had all the stories Mm, what were some of the stories yeah (laughs) Oh yeah. All the stories, (laughs) the hiring someone's going to make my business hard, Mm -hmm. that there's no way I'm going to find the right person, that this Mm -hmm. person, I'm just going to train them and they're going to leave, that I don't have the money to hire somebody, that I don't have enough work, even though I'm losing my mind, I don't have enough work to give someone consistent work Mm -hmm. and that, yeah, and that I'm not going to be able to afford to pay them. So all of those, plus I'm sure there were others. (laughs) Yeah. I think the biggest thing was actually my first hire how she came to me too my friend heather who's also in the inner circle she my first hire was doing a little bit of work for her just helping her with some like video processing kind of stuff and i'm like i could use help like that Mm. so i was like and it was going well for her i'm like let me can does she want some more work and heather's like yeah i'm like great so i interviewed her i talked to her i just went with my gut I thought that it was going to be a good a good fit and turns out it has been. And you know, when I started too, I was super open with her and I was just like we're figuring this out together. Like I wanted and I tried to keep that communication super open. I'm like whatever you need, you let me know and as I need things, I let you know and I want to keep this just we want to figure this out together and I want this to work for you. I've always been very very cognizant that I want her to enjoy what she does. And I want her to have really the hours that she wants, but like she's, you know, kind of this is a a retirement fun job for her. She doesn't have to work, Mm -hmm. but she enjoys it because it just, it gives her some purpose. She enjoys doing working with with my people and for my vision. 
Uh, so I'm always trying to just make sure that I'm still doing things that are fulfilling to her. And I'm actually getting to the point now where it's time to maybe start looking for an extra person on the team because I want to give her so much that I would make her work 68 right. hours a week. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. No, that's a really good place to be. Oh, so many questions. Let me just start here. One of the reasons why we're talking about this first hire is because I asked Nicole before before the show, like, what would you say has been the biggest growth or breakthrough in your business? And you've seen so much success. And Nicole said that the experience of the first hire. So I'm curious, how did your perspective of business and hiring and your vision change in the last year, like, is there a big, is there a big contrast? I, ha I have to assume. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have time to look for a vision. <laughs> <laughs> I have time to actually think about it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have time to plan a vision and start to execute on it, which I didn't have before. It was literally treading water. Mm -hmm. Have you seen as a result, has the business continued to, to grow? Did it, did you see like yes. actual physical results in, in the business as a byproduct of this first hire? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm working less than I ever have. The business is growing more than it ever has. I mean, after I hired her, I hired her in June last year and we were moving from Pennsylvania, North Carolina in August. And I was going on vacation for like two and a half weeks to Croatia. And I redid my business course and got ready for a whole different launch and like did all of these crazy things that would have made me so overwhelmed in the past. Yeah. But because she was able to handle so much of the minutia of my business, I could just focus on those big things. And it made such a difference. Mm. And, and even now, like she has all of the like day to day tasks. She's just got them doing it and just rocking it and wow. I don't have to worry about it. And it's so helpful. Does she have an official role or position or is she kind of just like the Swiss army knife right now? Well, she's my, I call her my right arm. Mm -hmm. That's her official position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and she's, I mean, technically a VA, I guess would be her closest thing, but she is, I mean, she's really, really empathetic. So she's like fantastic for customer service and she's just, she's wonderful. I love her to death. And yeah, whenever she, she's just really, I introduce her in my groups as my right arm. <laughs> mm, yeah. So going back to these uh, beliefs that you had, I have to assume yeah. they're no longer there, or at right. least for, for one hire. Maybe now if we, I said, hey, Nicole, go hire three more people, they'd come up again, right? Like new level, right. new devil. So did you have to do anything to grapple with those beliefs, like the fear of, I, I don't know if I can afford this person or do I have enough stuff for them to do or what if they quit or all this stuff. Yep. Did you have to work through that or did you, like what was your mental strategy and process to overcome that stuff? I think it was when I realized that I don't need to hire someone at 40 hours a week full time with benefits. Yeah. It's my first hire. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, That's what's crazy. I, even this, even putting out a job post, you don't, right. you know, you don't actually have to hire someone when you put out a job post. People are afraid to even do that. And it's like, you don't have to hire them. There's right. no law that says that you have to hire someone if you put out a job post. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So getting the permission from the mayor of the internet to tell me that I could do, <laughs> you know, just hire someone part time yeah. for a little bit, you know, here and there. And, you know, and it wasn't someone it worked for her, too, because she wasn't someone that was depending on this income. Mm -hmm. So it was we're both getting what we need out of this. And I hope <laughs> it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. She, um, you know, seems to be. So yeah, it's just, well, it was, that was the biggest story. I think my biggest 
breakthrough piece of being able to do that. And then the other ones of the, oh my gosh, what if I spend all this time and money training someone and they leave, mm-hmm. has been just creating those processes and having her start to help me create those processes. And I have never been, I don't know what story I've had that I just don't create the processes sometimes. I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it. Oh, next time. Oh, next time. It's that procrastination thing popping up somehow. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but having someone even hiring at five hours a week forces you to start to create processes yes, in your business. Yes, yes, yes. And that is a huge turning point, whether you're by yourself or, you know, hopefully getting that first someone to help you. Well, why I'm such a stickler for getting that first team member, even if it's somebody who's like a part-time virtual assistant in the Philippines for like five bucks an hour, is that the mental shift, even just that thought in the back of your head of like, I'm paying somebody, it forces you to step into a bigger role of a more successful entrepreneur. There's more on the line in a good way that you like, you stop doing the things that like broke entrepreneurs do, the bad habits, like those ideas of I'll just do this all myself. It's like, no, I'm right. paying somebody now, so let's use them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm gonna pay them. So I just love this. So now, okay, so it's been a year. Biggest mistakes that you've made, any big mistakes? It sounds, by the way, it sounds like you've been a great boss. Like it sounds like you're really compassionate and caring about your first member. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. They need if you're listing, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, and I mean, that's what it that's what it takes. And like, I think a lot of people are under the impression too, like a belief that like everyone else wants to be an entrepreneur. And so you're actually doing someone a disservice by giving them a job and that you're a bad person for doing that and like telling people what to do. And it's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. There are right. so many people that don't want anything to do with entrepreneurship. They want to be a part of something that has more structure. Like, just tell me what to do. Like, even when you got the employee envy, we got to call that something employee envy, right? right. Where it's like, wow, a lot of people, they want that. They want to be able to clock in, clock out, check in, check out, and not take on the burden of responsibility mentally, emotionally of running a business. And, you know, we have an entire team to prove that. So well done. Any big mistakes that you feel like you made or big lessons you've learned in the past year of now being a leader and a digital CEO? I think the biggest lesson is not to let yourself get caught up in the fear of not taking action. I mean, I'm just thinking, what if I did this a year earlier? (laughs) What if, what if I hired my second person, like, you know, like six months ago instead of now, like how much further ahead would I be? So, it's so easy to let your brain start telling you these stories and get stuck in that Mm. fear of, oh, and it's so easy just to push it off. Oh, I'll do that next week because I have these other projects that are more important that it's just so easy to keep pushing that off and keep pushing it off. Totally. That's so true. And I think most people don't recognize that like a big part of your brain is like trying to sabotage you. Right. (laughs) And it's doing it out of love. Like it just wants to keep you safe and it doesn't like change. And, but there's that bigger part of you that like wants nothing but that growth and change. It wants to do all those things. And, you know, I've recognized it for years where you just, you procrastinate, you you, you rationalize your procrastination, you know, you justify it. Like I got all the logical reasons in the book why now is not the time or why it's too risky. And I just don't think if you're an entrepreneur, you didn't sign up for that. You didn't sign up for the safe and small and predictable, realistic, logical. And we need to be able, like, we need to be smart, 
but you know, you can be smart and safe without, you know, playing small. Right. So yeah, this is really great. So now you're looking at your next hire. Yeah. So what's your thinking behind that? What are you looking at? How are you approaching that? What are your thoughts? I've been starting to write down, I created an org chart, first of all. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Was it, what was that process like for you? It was good to get it all out on paper Mm -hmm. and to try to compartmentalize things like a little bit of like what kind of goes together and what, what are the main roles that my business needs to run and grow? So that was a really good exercise. And then I had a zoom meeting with my right arm with Cynthia. (laughs) And I was just like, here's the big outline of, of where we're headed. Like, where are you most interested in being part of this Mm. and kind of love it. Let her kind of, yeah. You know, tell me what she this, most loves to do. This is beautiful because I tell my team this and we tell, especially our seven figure masterminders, I say the way we look at hiring and training and onboarding in the team is there's what the business and the vision needs. And then there's like what you need and what you want. Where those come together is a beautiful opportunity. You know, yeah. if someone comes to me and says like, I love writing and I say, great, the business needs a copywriter. That's <laughs> called me being a matchmaker. You know, like I'm just making the match happen. It sounds like you're doing that. Let me ask you this. When you first created that org chart and it's you and Cynthia, did you recognize that like Cynthia was probably in like 10 roles kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh And I'm still in 37. Yeah, exactly. And that's, (laughs) and that's how it starts out. This is a funny thing because when I introduce people to the concept of the org chart, no matter what niche you're in and what business, like there's a lot of the same universal yep. roles that are needed. Like if you're selling stuff, you need customer support, right? If you're on social media, you need their social media managers and fulfillment roles there. So we have a lot of the same roles. No matter if you're a $100,000 a year company or a $10 million a year company, there's a lot of the similarities. But if it's just you, you have like 15 roles, you're doing all 15. Right. You know, now it's two. Oh, okay, great. We could divvy this up to like seven and eight roles each. And that's why getting that org chart out as soon as possible can really help because what is one of the big questions that people have? Who do I hire first? Right. And the answer I always have is come up with that org chart, realize and recognize that you've been filling all of those and say, what are the first roles that you're ready to let go of? Yes. That someone can easily step in. And I love your approach is that you, your right arm or left arm is somebody that's what we call in our business and it's one of our core values the swiss army knife in that they have multiple functions and Mm -hmm. because even if we have 30 roles in our business we don't need 30 people because one person can be in two or three roles and that's an important thing to recognize so okay so you went to cynthia you showed her the org chart you asked her where she wanted to go and what got created there well, the org chart's still kind of how it is, but we, we kind of determined where she wants to focus and then where the holes are that I want to stop spending so much time on, yeah. which really is a lot of kind of social media and repurposing of my content. So be able to take my like weekly free content and start packaging it up. Mm-hmm. And, how, <laughs> and if you're doing that right, Instagram. if you're doing that right now, how much time is that taking from you. Well, I'm not doing it right now is the problem. So no one's doing, doing it, it well and consistently. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you are doing it every once in a while. Yep. It's taking time then. Yeah. So this, and, and she helps a lot with the, like she'll do the videos and get it up on the blog, 
but like to then be like, okay, now we need to create some graphics and put this over here and do something over here. Yeah. So I, I really kind of need a social media manager. Yeah. So so social that's, media managers out there that like really want to dive in. <laughs> totally. I mean, right. Maybe one of our listeners, <laughs> which I just love. So you or her are doing it ineffectively because it's inconsistent. Right. Which means it's taking up some time. Yep. But now, so that's the thing is we have to look at is most people are only looking at the cost. Like, oh, is it, you know, how much is it going to cost? Entrepreneurs can't do that. We must train ourselves to be looking at the opportunity, not just the cost, because mm-hmm. there's a bigger cost in you doing it yourself. In other words, let me ask you this. Do you have like some 2020 or even 2019 revenue goals for the company that you mind sharing? I do. Oh, 2019 is now, right? Oh my gosh, the internet year. I don't I even know. know what year it is anymore. <laughs> My 2019 revenue goal is um, 1 million. Oh, it's so beautiful. Okay, because so- Because it's nice and round and seven figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have 1,080 hours, work hours, technically, in a year. Did you know that? That means no. your hourly rate right now to operate as a million dollar CEO, because that's the thing, is that Nicole already knows this, but I'm using Nicole as, as an example, is that if she's not operating and acting like a million dollar company now, Will you make a million dollars? No. No, right? So we need to start operating from the vision of a $1 million company. That's the only way you get there. You act like a million dollar company, you'll start making a million dollars. Plain and simple. It's very simple, not easy. It's not easy. It's a very simple concept. And so one of the ways we need to look at that is realize that each hour of Nicole's time is worth $925. That's your hourly wage right now, right? So in other words, if for every one of those 1,080 hours in the year, Nicole only worked on projects, actions, and activities that were worth $925 or more, she's right on track. In other words, if she chooses to do something that someone else can do for 12 bucks an hour, well, that's costing her over $900 an hour. That's $900 an hour that she's losing in her company if she chooses to do stuff that someone else could do for her. That's where this gets real, real fast. And that's sadly what a lot of people are doing is they're, they think they're being smart and savvy by burning themselves out doing 14 hour days by saying, I'll do this myself. Not realizing that the math just don't add up, folks. You want a million dollar company, that means you gotta focus on thousand dollar activities and nothing less. And you start doing little graphics, little PDF designs, little social here, little about me page there. You're doing stuff that someone else could be doing for 12 bucks an hour. It's costing you thousands and thousands of dollars. Most people don't think that way and that's why they don't make any money. So (laughs) now you know why. So fantastic. I love this. This is great. So that's what you guys are feeling like is the next hire, someone to manage social. Yeah, that, that and like the tech side of things, like yeah. Kajabi. Oh, like, just get that all, all off your all plate. All tech. Yes. Yep. Get it, let it go. Let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm awesome. not going to sing. <laughs> Fine. It'll just be me. Well, you know, I could geek out about all this stuff forever because I just really think like once you got an offer, once you got an audience, like this is how we scale and you're just, you're kicking butt. So Anything else you'd like to share? Anything that's coming up for you or any final thoughts to wrap it up that you feel 
would be helpful for somebody maybe who's in you know your position a year ago yeah no i think that the biggest thing is just not to wait just mm. take action yeah and Action leads to clarity. We've heard this before. Yes, we have. <laughs> and it's so true. So true. I, I can't think of a time where I took action and it hmm. didn't move my business forward immediately or I learned something important that it moved forward. Bingo. Just as far a little bit later. 100%. So what do you say to yourself now when you find yourself hesitating? Like saying, no. oh, I don't know if I... I could do this. I try to like smack myself and like get myself out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you heard it from the call yourself. Just smack yourself and do it anyways. No, but that's, now, that's really sometimes good. Sometimes you don't even notice. I think the biggest thing is sometimes I don't even notice that I'm procrastinating. But if so I So how do you through, get yourself to notice it though? Like that's really good. Like you're, you're so right. It's because, I mean, look, we can all just say, hey, just take action. Absolutely. And it's true. Yeah. But most of the time people don't even notice. They're unconscious to this. Right. Because you... you're still busy. Yes. You're like, oh, I was busy today. Oh. But I take stock if I have more than like, if I have an off day here and there where I feel like I worked, but I didn't really get anything accomplished, that happens. Yes. But if I have a couple days in a row where I feel like I worked, but I didn't get anything substantial accomplished, I have to sit down and take a look and be like, what am I fearing and procrastinating on right now? Because yeah. I'm obviously avoiding something. Yes. It just, what a great point. Cause it's, I, I was just about to say that I couldn't agree more. It's cause you're avoiding something, mm -hmm. you know, cause there's always going to be more things you can do. There's always a more on the to-do list. If you come to me, I'll give you a million things that you could do. So that's easy. That's easy. So the real question is, and I just think that's a really great distinction. If you find yourself two, three days in a row, you're like, I felt that feeling of being productive. I did the busyness, but I didn't get anywhere. Nothing got accomplished. What a powerful distinction to say, you know, let me stop. Let me just notice, if it, what, what am I avoiding? What am I not doing that I should be doing? And, uh, and what really always helps me is I always say for myself, because I'm human too, you know, is just if there's one, what's the one, one, one important thing that if I just did this thing this week, it moves the business forward. And I'm looking at the beginning of the week and the end of the week, did I do it or not? Because I procrastinate too, you know, by doing other stuff. Oh, this is easier. Let's do this, you know. So that's really good. I love that. Well, thank you, Nicole. How can we um, learn more about you? Well, I run hairofthedogblog.com, and that's where uh, pet photographers can go to run a more profitable pet photography business. Awesome. And we'll link that all up in the show notes. So thank you again, Nicole, for taking the time to share your story, your experience with our listeners. And I'm just so excited for your growth and what you're up to and where you'll be even a year from today. It'd be pretty awesome. Oh, it's crazy. Thank you so yeah, much. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another amazing case study here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. We'll see you all on the next episode. Take care. Neuroscience tells us that your brain doesn't match your beliefs to fit your life. It matches your life to fit your beliefs. In other words, if you want to change your life, change your beliefs. Inside my newest book, Hardwired for Entrepreneurship, I reveal the real difference that makes the difference between the few high-performing entrepreneurs that go on to build multi-million dollar businesses that impact hundreds of thousands of people's lives versus the vast majority who struggle, burn out, break down, and inevitably give up. And the difference ain't in a funnel, launch strategy, or marketing hack. The difference comes down to what's going on between your ears. 
So are you wired for entrepreneurship? Grab your free copy to find out now. Just visit jameswedmore.com forward slash wired. There's no funnel, no pitch, no sale, nada. Just a good old fashioned read that's going to blow your mind.